is Connie Keller. I'm the director and lead teacher at Creekside Preschool, formerly known as Olivet Christian Preschool. We've been a part of Olivet and now Creekside since 1976. Um, through our doors, I don't know, I've never done the math, how many students we've had pass through our doors, but this year we have 40 bright and young children ready to graduate and go on to their careers as kindergartners. And we want you to help us with that process. Every year we give our graduates a Bible. Um, and we prefer that it be a gift from Creekside Church. We are currently funded through the state of Iowa and their funding does not allow us to purchase these Bibles. Many, many of the families that come through our doors are unchurched families. They don't know the Lord. They have no church home. They have no affiliation with anything of the Christian faith. And it's our desire that we place a Bible in each of these homes. And we do that by giving our four-year-old graduates a Bible of their very own. We inscribe it from Creekside Church. It's a gift from the church to the student. And um, we were asking you to help, as we did last year, to fund this project. We purchased 40 Bibles. They cost about $20 a piece. And um, over the next few weeks, if you feel so led, we would love it if you would just um, add a little extra money to your regular offering. There won't be a special offering for this, just the regular offering. You can just add a little money. We can't designate it, um, so it just has to be part of your offering to Creekside. But if you're willing to partner with us, we would really, really appreciate it. In the um, fellowship hall, there's a board there that shows some pictures and has some descriptions of what we do at Creekside Preschool. We would love for you to be aware of what we do and to participate. There's several ways you can participate. This offering is one of them. Another is we covet your prayers. We as teachers get involved in the lives of our families and we pray for them. We know what's going on with them. We give them op um, opportunities and information about Creekside Church so that they can come and join this family if they so desire. But you can pray for us as a whole, as a ministry, and for those families that we serve. Also, in July, you'll be given some information and the opportunity, if you want, that we uh, need one or two board members every year. So that's a way that you can help serve the ministry that is so graciously housed in your church. And anytime you want to visit, just drop in. We're in session from September through May. Um, it's lively. You can talk to Kim or anybody who's in the building and you'll know that it's a noisy lively group of kids and we really enjoy serving them so again if you want to participate in that ministry just um, pop a little extra money in the offering and that would be great so now i'm going to turn it over to alan there's my name tag <laughs> i'm alan i serve on the elder team here at creekside and i want to share a word of encouragement and recognition and an announcement about someone here at creekside but first I want to read, I love these verses, Psalm 33, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, praise befits the upright, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of ten strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. You know, we don't have a lyre here today. We don't have a 10-stringed harp. And let's face it, I mean, we're Iowans. We're not always really good at shouting joyfully. But man, we can make melody to the Lord. We can give thanks to the Lord. We can sing a new song. And what a gift music is. Uh, what a blessing it is to the church. And uh, I just want to say a word of, of recognition for Tim O'Bearn. Um, we're really thankful for him, for uh, just him using his gifts to bless us and, and all that he's been doing. You know, I think it was about a year ago he shared a, a desire to be more involved in, in leading uh, the, the music on Sunday mornings. And, and beyond that, uh, that's the fruit that we all get to see, but beyond that, doing really a lot of work behind the scenes throughout the week. Everything from uh, recruiting new band members, practicing and learning new songs, planning the weekly schedules, who's going to play, who's, who's going to be on each week, 
recording music and sending it out to the musicians so that they can practice and be prepared ahead of time. Uh, he has really been doing a lot of great work. And, and again, we all get to see the fruits of that. Um, and, you know, maybe most importantly of all, he has uh, restored the banjo to its rightful place <laughs> of prominence. Uh, I also want to share some exciting news. Uh, the, the elders and the deacons have together uh, agreed to bring Tim on in a kind of a part-time, one-day-a-week role where he can really work with, work with Nick to help plan the, the week and, and practice and do all those things that he's been doing and, and to expand on them. I mean, one cool thing coming up at the end of May, uh, our own Creekside uh, musicians are going to be playing down at the downtown farmer's market and using their gifts to, to bless others in that way. So we're just really thankful for, for all the musicians, especially for Tim. So if you see him, you know, give him a just a word of thanks and encourage him for all that he's been doing to bless us. And uh, I just want to pray and, and commit Tim and his, his ministry to the Lord. Father, we thank you that we can praise you, that we can sing new songs, that we can uh, reflect back to you uh, in thankfulness and joy, making melody in our hearts for what you have done. Lord, praise befits the righteous, and we are thankful that Jesus Christ has made us righteous, not because of anything that we have done, but because of the sacrifice and blood and offering of our Savior. Lord, we ask that you would just give us joyful hearts, that we would sing this morning and throughout the week, that we would be led by the Holy Spirit, making music and, and lifting back to you the glory that you deserve. So we thank you for this morning. We ask your blessing upon it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Alan. We're going to sing a couple songs before Nick comes and speaks this morning. We're going to take two offerings this morning. The second one's for the building fund. If you're a visitor today, you can let those offerings go by. But we do have some cards in front of you and the seats in front of you. If you'd like to fill those out for us, we'd like to know a little bit more about you guys. We're going to stand together and sing these two songs. I want to tell you about a cool conversation I had with my boy this morning. We're big Royals fans in our house. If, did I say stand? I said stand. Uh, you guys just ignoring me this morning? That's good. Good start. I was talking to my boy this morning. We're big Royals fans. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, buddy, he said, I, I love the Royals, but I love you 10 million times more than the Royals. And he says, you know, Dad? And I'm like, oh, here we go. I love God 10 billion more times than you. Uh, it's like, oh, 10 billion? It's <laughs> <That's> a lot. <laughs> no, but for real, he had it right. My son set me straight again. He loves God more than anything. We love God. We should love God more than anything. That's why we're here. And so when we come here, we forget about all the other loves in our lives. And we focus on the true love here. That the only love that can always be there for us all the time, that brings us out of our, our hardest moments. We can love God 10 billion more times than anything else. And then when we praise him, that's what should rise up out of us, is this great love for our God. The first line of this song that we're going to sing, it's called To Our God. It says, up from the ashes, your love has brought us out of the darkness and into the light, lifting our sorrows, bearing our burdens, and healing our hearts. And then we turn it back to him. To our God, we lift up our voices because he's brought us up out of the darkness. He's healed us. He's taken care of us. So we're going to sing that together. Did I say sit down? Oh, I'm just kidding. Let's pray. God, I... Uh Love losing my spot because we're worshiping and um, love just getting lost in your presence. Um, God, thank you for the fact that you are here where two or three are gathered. You are here in our very midst. And God, we want to acknowledge that and, and we want our hearts just to scream out this morning. We want our hearts not to be able to contain who you are. God, we want to shout it from the mountaintops. 
We want to tell everyone that walks, everyone that moves, everyone that breathes. Father, I uh, just thank you that we are on a mission, that we would lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with you, that every man, woman, and child in this area would know and have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you and we need you. And all God's people said, amen. Isaiah 55, eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Heather and I, this year, it'll be 10 years of marriage, and when we got married, uh, we had plans, right? Those plans didn't work out all that well. Because our thought was, we're gonna be married for a while, five years at least, and we're gonna do what we wanna do, we're gonna have some fun as a married couple. And just before our uh, two-year anniversary, you know, just after our two-year anniversary, Judah was born, right? And I remember up to the moment, well, the moment we found out that we were pregnant was not a happy moment in my house. It, things were thrown and people were blamed <laughs> and only naturally, right? But up to the moment that Judah came to this earth, we were not ready. We weren't, we weren't happy. I remember thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy. I mean, we, do not, we are not ready to be parents. Like, we do not want to be parents at this moment. We just, the moment he showed up, that all changed, right? And then that same year in this church, 16 babies were born, Okay. 16 babies born in this one church, all right? And now all of my kids in the different stages of their growth have friends at church. God knew, right? Not my plan, but God's plan, and it's all worked out pretty perfectly. When I was in high school, I was a swimmer, whether you can believe that or not. I was a swimmer in high school, and I took pride in the fact that my stroke was the butterfly because nobody could do the butterfly. It was like wicked hard, right? And so... I just didn't, I was pretty good. I didn't lose much, right? But I remember my senior year, all right? Conference meet, this is like bigger than state for us. Conference came first and we were better in conference than we were in state and only a few individuals went to state. Conference meet, huge meet. I'm up on the blocks, ready to go. There's, I'm thinking, there, nobody's gonna beat me. I got this in the bag, this is, this is it. I jump off the blocks, I get to the end, Okay, backstory. There was this freshman who joined a team that year, and I thought, you know what, this kid's a punk. Because he, he really literally thinks that he can beat me. Like, he thinks that that's within reach this year, possible. Okay? I just thought he was a punk all year, and I took pride. Like, I almost like, looked at him like, bring it every single time I hit the, hit the blocks. But I came... <laughs> to the end, boom, finish my stroke, and first thing you do as a swimmer, you hit the blocks and you turn around and you look up at your time, right? Well, I turned up and look at my time, and I saw my time, it was a good time, but I also saw a number two next to my name. The little punk beat me. <laughs> I was, I, okay? <laughs> he put me in my place, but I realized after that point, I gotta buckle down, because state's coming and this cannot happen twice, right? So it caused me to buckle down and work harder and get to the point where this just wasn't gonna happen again, because this was not acceptable, okay? But sometimes I think that life's the same way, right? Until we realize that we're not all that, until we realize that we don't have what it takes to get the job done, okay, in any area of life, until we realize that we're not in control of the moments and the, the little details of our lives, we're never really gonna step up to be and to do what God has called us to do. Now don't get me wrong, this is not gonna be a self-help message, okay? I don't want you to go read a bunch of self-help books, okay? I want us to realize how insignificant we are compared to how much God loves us this morning and that God wants to use me in my insignificance. I want us to ask ourselves two things, okay? I want to start off, I want you to think of a situation in your life, and I'm, I'm willing to, to bet that 
however big or small this situation is, that everybody has one in the room, okay? I want you to think of a situation in your life that you just feel out of control of right now, okay? No matter how much you grab for control, you just can't get it. You're out of control. Things are not working out the way that you want them to work out, right? Get that in your head. I also want you to put this in your head. What is a situation in my life where the actions of someone else humbled me? The actions of someone else humbled me. My oldest sister, she's got two sons, and the oldest one, not totally sure how old he is, but her youngest son is six years old now. And at two months old, okay, this baby was two months old, he had a super traumatic situation. He was life-flighted to the hospital. He had uncontrollable vomiting, and he could not stop crying. His blood sugar levels spiked so high that essentially his, his heart and his brain assaulted his body, right? And then he was at two months old diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, all right? And the doctors, they had actually not seen this. He was like almost an experiment for them because at that time, these doctors had never seen this in a baby that young, right? And so now he walks around, can't remember if it's left, his left, left arm or his right arm and his left leg or his right leg, but he walks around and he can't use that the way that it should be used, right? And I'm sure that at times my sister and my brother-in-law, they wish that it would be different. But I know, I know that the way that he is, we call him Desi, his name's Desmond, but I know that the way he is, they can't imagine him being any different, right? I'm sure at times they're like, man, Lord, why do we have to bear this cross, right? But I can tell you this, I do not know a sweeter kid than Desi. He, he really doesn't know. I, I really believe that he doesn't see his disability. The kid is one of the hardest workers I've ever known. He is determined. You tell him to do something, and he'll go do it. He's determined to be able to play with all the cousins. He's determined not to be slower. He's determined not to be inhibited by his disability. And when my son Micaiah gets together with him, I, Micaiah barely sees this either. Micaiah knows Desi can't do all the things that I can do. But Micaiah doesn't look and see the disability that he has as unnormal for him. He sees him as one of his best buddies, right? All this to say that God knows best. And I remember as a family in those moments, I mean, there was, there was questions and there was struggles to justify in our minds why this happened to a two-month-old kid, Right? And there were struggles for my sister to, to keep control. Like I feel out of control of my own kids' lives. Right? Every parent knows that. You know? We feel out of control of our kids' lives sometimes. And then we grasp for how to control that. And we had feelings of anger with God. Like, God, what in the world is supposed to come of this? Right? But God's in control and God knows what he's doing. A uh, couple weeks ago, I don't know how long ago that was, when Easter was, um, the day before the Easter egg hunt, uh, or the week before the Easter egg hunt, we were going out and passing out door-to-door Easter egg hunt flyers, right? And so it was me and Judah, and we're going around, and we come up to this door, and there's a dog there. There's a dog just standing right in front of the door, just like, try it, right? Dog standing there. And I'm like, hey, Judah, we can skip this house. It's totally fine. And the door was open, too. And you all know that feeling when, like, some people are just unnaturally good at this. Like, they just love going up to strangers' doors and talking to them. I'm not one of them. And so um, the door was open, and there was a dog. See, this dog was about this big, like, smaller than my foot, okay? But the combination of that dog standing in front of this door and the fact that the door was open was a perfect opportunity for me to say, dude, we don't have to do this house, right? Because I know if I'm not, somebody's home, which we all would rather just go hang the thing on the door, right, and walk away. Somebody was home, and I had an excuse not to go to the house. This is what Judah says to me. Dad, I'll go. It's more important 
that this person gets invited to hear about Jesus than me get bit by a dog, right? I was like, dang, dude. Shut up and get in the car, right? It's at the moment I've realized, Nick, you are not that special. You're really not that special. You're scared of a little dog, and your son just showed you up. He put, him, put you in your place. Another time, first two years of ministry were like the most humbling years for me uh, thus far in my life. Because we, uh, it was really deflating, actually, if you ask me. I'm just going to tell you. We successfully grew the youth group from 80 to 15, right? And then we, uh, we also helped, in a big way, grow the church from 20, 200 to 75, all right? So, Nick, you're not that great. Again, God was telling me, dude, get out of your head. You're not that great. And then a couple weeks ago, we're in this beautiful building, and I'm sitting in my office, and things are going great, right? I was here late. Things were going awesome. And I was just reflecting as to the growth of our church and as to the things that God was doing and everything was going good and I was happy with the way things were going. And then on my way home, I was talking to my wife and she says, you better hurry up because you have your, a son in bed crying. This was Micaiah. He's crying and he's saying, where is dad? I never see dad anymore. I just want to spend time with dad. Nick, you're not that awesome. You're not that great. I mean, I'm like, I, how do I win here? If I'm doing, if I'm pushing myself into ministry, my family suffers. If I'm pushing myself into my family ministry, I just can't win, right? Nick, you're not that great. You can't do what I've called you to do on your own. And this week, as I was thinking about all this stuff, I was reminded of what, I'm only 31 years old, Right? But growth from 20 to 31, a lot happens in somebody's life. And if there's one thing I've learned, is that wisdom is not always experiential. It's this, that the older I get, the more I realize how little I know, right? I, should, I think I should be getting more of this, right? The older I get, the more I realize how little I know. And the more I realize how inadequate I am to do what God has asked me to do. How inadequate I am within myself to do anything for the kingdom of God. To do anything that is good. Right? And sometimes, on the flip side, I get way overconfident that I can do it. I mean, some, I mean honestly, in and of ourselves, me and Tim and Kyle and the band and our other preacher, we could put together a fairly good program, right? But if the Spirit of God's not moving in this place, then what is it? You end up getting to a point where last week, Tim's saying, what, something like, I don't know, however many thousand songs he's sung in church. And you get to the point where the last few thousand didn't really mean anything, right? Because we come to church and we sit through these things, and all of a sudden we've just been a part of a program that really is not connecting me to the God of the universe. And I'm really not doing anything for the kingdom, right? We're not that special. We're not that great. Remember from last week, we learned that God created us for his pleasure. That we were created by God for God. And God wants me. And God wants you and he wants to use you in your inadequacy he doesn't want to use you in your strength actually he's going to refrain a lot of times from using you in your strength because when you're acting in your own strength why do we need God if I'm acting in my own strength then I can, all I'm saying is like yeah I'm, I'm awesome God I got this right like me I'm pretty sure with you, he's going to start to remind you sooner or later, you ain't that special. When you try to do things on your own strength, you're going to get put in place by a little dog and your son, right? That the normal manly man would not be afraid of, right? So how do we do this? How do we get to the point where, I'm not going to say without fail, 
But more often than not, we serve out of our weakness rather than out of our strength. How do we get to that point? Here it is. Here's the one big point for the morning. So get out your pens, get out your, write it down, remember this, okay? To know how special you are, comma, know you ain't that special, right? To know how special you are, know you ain't that special. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse 4. To know how special you are, know you ain't that special. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of Life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Hivalah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and oxenstone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of, the, of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. So let's go back and look at that. First of all, we see that the ground was created by God and meant to be worked and watered, right? Even in, the God, even in the way that God created the world, he created it with enough specificity and creativity that it was a system, right, that would take care of itself. But at the same time that God created a system that should take care of itself, it rains, evaporates, rains, you know, all that. It's pretty simple, pretty easy. At the same time, God has sovereign control over that creation. He created it to work, but he consistently and constantly reaches down and changes things, right? We're going to see in August, I believe, we're going to do another Creekside U, okay? And this last round of Creekside U was awesome, okay? Again, this Mark did so much work on this. It was amazing that my head almost hurt just looking at all this information but he presented it in such a good way this is his gift and he's going to team up with Mike Johnson the uh, resident um, expert on science and creation and all that and they're going to team up together and in August we're going to do a Creekside U called the Ready Defense and we're going to talk they're going to talk about how science and the gospel fit very well together and they complement each other and they they work together right because science supports creation But at the same time, God has the power to alter it in any way that he sees fit on any day that he wants. I remember this. um, A few years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, but when the Easter egg hunt, we still had it in Johnson at Lou Clarkson's property. And the whole entire radar said that at 10.30 that morning, boom, all of Johnson was going to be covered by rain. It was inevitable, right? And so me... Having a little less faith than my wife was looking at the radar all morning, being like, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. And Heather, she just doesn't look at the radar, right? Because she knows, she thinks, no, God's in this thing. It's going to be all right. I don't even need to look. We're going to be fine, right? This is what happened. We got a bunch of people together, and we prayed, God, a lot of time and effort's gone into this thing. We want you to be glorified with it. 
We want people to hear the gospel. Please keep the rain away, right? Radar goes from this to right at 1030, it looked like this. And right in the middle, in the clear spot, was Johnston, okay? So the radar went from this to whoop, wrapped right around, and it met on the other side after the thing was over, right? God reached down, and he actually listened to our prayers. Imagine that, right? He listens to our prayers. Sometimes he answers them, sometimes he does. Well, he always answers them. Sometimes he says no so that we change, right? But he reached down, and he changed what I think that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, but we prayed, and it happened, right? And then it goes on, even more so, man was specifically created for God to work the ground that he had made. See, sometimes I think, I know I think this, by the way, I live a lot, and I know probably the majority of you think this too, but sometimes we get lost in the fact that we think we're the, we're the main character of the movie of our life, right? I think that God did a pretty good job casting me as the main character of my life, I think that sometimes. And then he reminds me, listen dude, you're barely an extra in the grand scheme of things. And he reminds me I'm not that special. Then it goes on in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I thought this was pretty cool. I was talking to Mike about this this week and he told me that the 59, correct me if I get this wrong, Mike, but the 59 elements found in the human body are also found in the earth's crust. I should have got, listen, okay. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground. The 59 elements found in my body, found in your body are all found in the crust of the earth that's awesome boom i believe in creation right i mean that doesn't just happen that's awesome that's god's sovereignty and his creativity and all of it fitting together to show us first of all we ain't that special because I'm made from the stuff that people walk on. That people walk on and get dirty in and wash themselves from. I'm made from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says that when I die, I'm going to return to the dust. Right? I'm not that special. But then you see that God used the word form. Right? And the Hebrew word there is yastar. I don't really know how to say that, neither do you. So it's the word that is also used. Maybe you do. I don't know. I wasn't mocking you, but maybe you do know how to say that word, and you can correct me afterwards. It's the same used word used for when a potter is forming his clay. Right? With careful precision, God formed every single one of us, right? And no piece of pottery is the same as another piece of pottery. With whatever scratches it has, with whatever cracks it has, with whatever blemishes it has, it's created exactly the way it's created, and we're all different from each other, right? So the fact that I was picked up from the dust means that I'm not that special. But then God physically took me, and he formed me. He took time and energy to form me. He breathed into his life, into his nostrils, the breath of life. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 says, You formed me, you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do we feel that tension that I think we're supposed to live in? That I, I'm not that great, but I am incredibly special. To know how special you are, you gotta know you ain't that special. In Job 33, Elihu, one of Job's friends, comes to Job in his suffering and acknowledges this. 
I also have been formed out of clay. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. And then three chapters later, Job, he's sitting there and his life has totally, completely been wiped out. Right? All his riches gone, family gone, everything wiped out. And he's sitting there in the dust, in the dirt, and he's got boils all over his body and he's scraping his body with pottery. I mean, how, how more desolate and downtrodden do you get, right? And finally, Job asks, I'm reading the, the, the account of Job and I'm like, Job, when are you gonna like scream at God a little bit here? Because that's what I feel like doing, even just reading this story, right? Finally, Job, he doesn't turn his back on God, but he asks him why. And this is what God says to him. <laughs> Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He was essentially saying to him, dude, I'm God. You're not. You're not that special in the, long, in the big scheme of things. Right? Then this passage goes on to say that four li- rivers flowed through the land. I often thought, why in the world is that in there? Right? But it points to the fact that God designed his creation to supply itself with everything it needed. Right? The whole land had the perfect conditions to flourish with water and natural resources. And then God took the man that he had formed, all right, with care and precision. He took the man that he had formed and he put him in the garden to work it and to take care of the perfection and the paradise that God had created, right? We've got to see from this that work is good. Right, that work is and was created to be good. It was created by God for man to enjoy. It was created by God for man to feel fulfillment in life from working hard. Right? I know some of us, our jobs, we, we don't like going to them. Right? And sometimes work is hard, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks when the curse happens, when man sins and things change. Right, But originally, work was created by God for man as a primary way to live in and enjoy the creativity of God, the creator. And then man was placed in the Garden of Eden. Eden was a paradise, and when you look at the language used there, it is actually called the Garden of God. Okay, so you were created from the dust, insignificant, but then Adam was placed in the garden of God where he could actually commune with God. I was talking to Mike about this also, is that the garden of Eden was the place that God placed Adam so that he could walk with him, so that he could commune with him, so that he could have relationship with him, right? The tension that we should feel in our life from day to day is it ain't about me. I was created from dust. But God formed me and he loves me and he knows me and his desire is to walk with me and to hold my hand and to hold me and to to talk with me and to be in relationship with me. There are two trees in the garden. The tree of life, yes, you can eat from the tree of life and live forever. Then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, no, you can't eat from this tree. Why? Why not? Because at that point in Adam's existence, he had only experienced good. In his life, experientially, it was only good, right? But when he ate of it, when he made the choice to disobey God, he experienced for the first time evil. He had offended God by his disobedience. One simple task, don't eat, right? 
and he disobeyed. He experienced evil for the first time. And then it says, when you eat of it, you'll surely die, right? It actually says on the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. He didn't die on the day he ate of it, that specific day. But get this. We've talked about this before, but I think it was very gracious of God to bring death as a result of man's disobedience. Because if he hadn't, remember he says later on in Genesis, he says we're going to put an angel in front of the tree of life so that he can't now go and eat from the tree of life. Because if he does, he'll live forever and what else is going to live with him? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Sin. So we've got to look at this and we've got to see the graciousness of God to at that point, boom, I am going to put an end to sin. He has to. He's a holy God and he has to put an end to sin. So it's gracious for the rest of us that sin in every single human being does not just live on forever, right? And when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, the breath of life. He breathed in physical breath and gave him physical life. But he also breathed in spiritual life, right? We talked about last week how man was created apart from all of the other creation of God to be in communion with God, okay? To feel, to be spiritual, to connect with God, the creator of the universe, Right? And this shows us how significant it is for God to bring salvation through his son. Okay? Because if we were created to be in the Garden of Eden, in communion with God, walk with God, be in relationship with God, having been built up and formed from the dust of the ground, then this tells us how much God actually loves us. This shows us how much God actually really wants to be with us. And God felt the pain more than Adam did when Adam sinned. Because now, God's prized creation had made the choice to be separate from him. It's like this creation that I just made and I formed and I love, they chose to disobey me. And now there's spiritual separation from God to man. And so when God sent his son Jesus to earth to die for us, you can imagine how excited God the Father was. I think about it all the time. I'm not going to sacrifice my son for any of you. I love you, but not that much, right? Right? It's just not going to happen. But think about how excited God was. And the moment his son was crucified, man now had the chance to respond to salvation and come back into rightness with him. No longer being separated from him, but walking with him again like we were originally created and intended to do. Right? I mean, party in heaven every time someone gets saved. And it is initiated by God the Father, I think. He's like, hey, why aren't y'all partying? Someone just got saved. We need to break it down here. Come on. Right? Right? This is, I mean, this is huge for God. Why did he give us a choice in the first place? If I could force Heather to love me just by sheer will... If, I, if my kids didn't have a choice to love me, but they just had to love me, like you have to love me because I had a hand in creating you, right? That wouldn't be very good for me. It wouldn't be very satisfying for me, right? The fact that we were made for dust, but we're so special to God that he actually gave us a choice love him that's a big deal and I don't think I think there's probably a lot of people sitting in the room right now that I've heard this a lot right we've been saved for a long time I've heard this a lot but really think about it my choice to love God brings him absolute satisfaction in me I love that he loves us unconditionally and he desires for us to love him back 
to know how special you are, you have to first know and understand that you're not that special. When I understand that I was created from the dust and I don't deserve anything that God has given me, then what he has given me in salvation and how much he actually loves me becomes so much weightier, right? If I think I'm special, the, the weight balances, right? But if I know I'm not special, then the fact that God calls me special is so much more awesome. You got that? The band's going to come back up. And as they're coming, listen to this, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I should be humbled in the fact that I cannot save myself. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are incredibly special to God. So Jesus died so that dust could be brought to life, right? That's impossible. Dust being brought to life. But God did it in creation and he did it again when Jesus died on the cross. Because in my sin, separated from God, I'm as good as dust. But when Jesus died, he brought dust back to life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We've sinned, we've offended God. We cannot save ourselves, but God loves us so unconditionally. He sees us as so special that he gave his own son's life as a chance for us to live again. And we're going to take communion And again, at the end of every message, we come back to this is not the end, this is the beginning. It has to start here. To live this out, right, it's got to start by remembering what Jesus did for us to show us how much God actually loved us to bring us back to life. So there's two stations up here, there's one in the back. As we worship together, we're going to do this. I want want to read the lyrics to this one song, and then we're going to sing together. This is a song called... How Can It Be by Lauren Daigle. But just let this sink in. Find yourself in this. I am guilty, ashamed of what I've done, what I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. I've been hiding, afraid I've let you down. Inside I doubt that you still love me. But in your eyes there's only grace now. Though I fall, you can make me new. From this death, I will rise with you. Oh, the grace reaching out for me, how can it be, how can it be? You plead my cause, you right my wrongs, you break my chains, you have overcome. You gave your life to give me mine, you say that I am free, how can it be, how can it be? God, thank you. that in the fact that we were made from dust, you took special care in creating us. And you love every detail about our lives, God, and you just want to spend time with us. So I pray now, God, that we would come to the point in your presence that we would spend time with you, that we would remember Jesus and the sacrifice that was made to bring us from death to life. In Jesus' name, amen. He knows my thoughts. The things that no one sees He knows my heart It's every broken piece Somehow still I'm held by this one thing Somehow still I'm held by this one thing Yes, Jesus the
Here's our challenge for this week. The end of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. And then it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've got to be humble enough to know that I'm not the main character, but I'm so special that God saw fit to save me. So that I could live a life significant for the kingdom of God. So here's the challenge. I hope we're doing good on last week's challenge. Asking ourselves situationally, how can I glorify God best in this situation? And and to build on that this week, I want us to daily pray. Like literally every one of us, get up and pray this in the morning. God, thank you for my salvation. Please lead me by your spirit today to do what you prepared beforehand for me to do, right? Because if I'm not that special, then I have to rely on the Spirit of God to give me the strength and the tools I need to do what he is asking me to do in every moment. So pray every day this week, God, lead me in your Holy Spirit to do what it is you have for me to do as a special son or daughter. We're going to sing one more song together to send us out. So let's sing our hearts out to the King of the Universe.